Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. of WA Expose, a podcast about local arts by local artists. As always, I'm your host, Aria Scarlett, with the immense privilege of recording this podcast on Wajak Noongar Budja. Today's guest has been repeatedly highlighted for her ability to take audiences on a complete journey, no matter the act length. A Polynesian blend of urban, street and a damn good time. Graduating from the Pacific Institute of Performing Arts in New Zealand and trailblazing the ballroom scene here in Perth, she is Cook Island's flair with confidence. In short, Moesha is Perth's BIPOC royalty, and I'm absolutely thrilled to start talking to her. So how are you, Moesha? Oh, now that I can finally breathe, I'm like holding my <laughs> breath, and I was like, oh, but I am good. I'm going good. How are you going? I'm going good. I got to tell people that they're allowed to make noises during the intro. <laughs> You're allowed to breathe. I'm sitting, there, I'm sitting there going, okay. <laughs> yeah, am I, is it, can my I, turn, can can I my turn now? Can I, yeah, yeah. yeah, or just like on the edge of your seat. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, now that you're allowed to talk to everybody, I, of course, have one question for you, which is mm-hmm. why drag? Oh, why drag? Um, I mean, I'm not going to say that this is going to be a short story because, like, I say short oh, story and it's never going to be a short story. Perhaps, if you say short story and make a short story, then you don't know how podcasting works. So let's go long, <laughs> uh, long, long. Yes. No. Well, drag for me actually started as a deer. Like, oh. yeah. It, so I kind of, like, accidentally stumbled across it, I guess. <laughs> Um, but I remember a couple of years, not a couple of years, that's an absolute lie, a very long time ago. Just last week. Just Somebody dared me last week. Like and now yesterday? I'm in yeah, now I'm in yesterday, charge. Like last night was my debut. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Last this, is, this is last night's face. No! I'm so Oh, that's okay. People can't see, but there is the most beautiful mug <laughs> going across from me. And I'm always sad that we don't do a video, video platform. Not on me, just on my desk. <laughs> I mean, look, I can... Pull it up right now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I went to Drag Factory a few years back with some of my friends. Um, I'm not going to mention who it was that was performing because that's kind of shady. But um, there was <laughs> there's a couple of performances going on. Mm. And I just kind of looked at my friends and I was like, I could do so much better than <gasps> that. And we, it was like a joke. Yeah, like okay. I just, sure I was, it was. Sure I was, it was a little bit, okay, look, I think a part of it wasn't a joke, but like <laughs> most of it was a joke. The yeah. intention behind it was a joke. Yeah. It was a little bit tiddly as well at the same time. So I was like, <laughs> oh, I could do so much better than that. And my friends were like, all right, you've got four weeks. And I was like, ha, 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 whatever. Four weeks come across, like come, come around. And mm. they were like, well, are you ready? And I was like, wait, no, I thought you were kidding. And they were like, no, I said four weeks. And I was like, okay, give me another two more weeks. I'll try and muster <laughs> something up. Um, and so two weeks after that, I performed in my first drag factory and wow. there was so many of us that night. Um, I want to say like maybe 12 or 15 girls that night. Jesus. Um, but it was equal parts like nerve wracking, but also like I looked around and I was like, I may not look great, but I know good damn well. Wait, can I swear? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Well, I know good damn well that I can fuck shit up as soon as I get on that stage. <laughs> yep. Like, and that's all it was. I had a lot of my friends in the audience. I, like, I look back at photos and I thought I was serving women. <laughs> like, I think I'm wearing more makeup now yep. than what I was on that night. Soft woman. Soft. I had... <laughs> I had no wigs, so I didn't arrive in time. So I had these really ratchet, like, clip-on hair extensions. I had a top knot then, and, like, I put it up in this, what I thought was a high braided ponytail, <laughs> which ended up looking like a samurai, like, master. Okay. Like, that's exactly what it looked like. All and right. I was like, mm. And it's clipped on. Yeah. It and was, it's, hang on, I know the sort of acts you do. It stayed in place? Yes. Okay. Well, uh, that's something. A hundred percent stayed in place. But I also didn't know that you had to bring, like, a costume change. I just knew that you had to take two songs mm. and I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I was just, I was freaking out. And so <laughs> my old ass took 
two Beyonce tracks on a on like a CD that I burned. <laughs> Everybody else is like sent my email and got a USB and I turned up and I just burned a CD and they were like, Wow, you are old. Oh no. But I performed um Run the World, Mrs. Carter World Tour Edition. Mm. Um and then Crazy in Love. It was another one of her concerts as well. Yeah. Um and I won. I oh. won Drag Factory that night. And I was like, oh, okay, people kind of like what I do. And so I started doing Drag Factory like once a month or once mm. every other month. Um, and then that literally kind of turned into me doing regional gigs um, like on and off. And then I kind of stopped drag for a year and focused on dance a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and then I stumbled back on it. And then now I'm literally where I am now. I just <laughs> haven't stopped. Yeah, you really haven't stopped. Okay, tell me a bit about the regional gigs. Like where did you go? What sort of work did you perform? How are you received? All that good stuff. Um, again, those were all very interesting times. I started, um, my very first regional gig was Bunbury. Mm. Um, and it was actually kind of my first proper, like, I guess, drag gig. So I was working with a couple with of girls. With a whole wig, is that what you mean? <laughs> like instead of just a clip on? Um, I'm not even going to call it a wig. <laughs> I'm going to call it a hairpiece is what I'm going to call all it. All right, okay. Um, because then I was also in like a turban phase as well. Okay. I, like the things I used to do back in the day. I guess even the things I try and do now, I was like, no, I'm going to start a trend. This is going to be, I'm going to look so sick. I'm going to be stunning. <laughs> turbans everywhere. Great. No, it was. I literally had a different piece of fabric for a different outfit. I love that. And though. that was my turban. That's and so good. Mostly because I don't know where to get wigs from. Ah, okay. Like I didn't have it. Like I, I don't have a drag mother. Obviously it started as a dear. And it was kind of like my friends like pushing me to just get on stage and do it. And none of them were like into like doing drag or anything. No, themselves? I had one friend who was a makeup artist who would do my face. Oh, okay. So you weren't even painting. Not at all. <laughs> and again, she is used to like working on like women. Like her clientele is like a female based. Mm. And they're all very soft glam. And here I am. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I want soft glam, <laughs> no color corrector, Ooh. like very thin lashes. Yep. Uh, like a very pale, neutral eye. You were going in there like those um, people who go and get like eyelash extensions goes, but not too draggy, of course. <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally me. Literally trying to do drag. That's literally <laughs> me. I'm like, if, if, you know, if I can't get clocked, then I don't, <laughs> I, like I'm in the right right area. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't have a drag mother. Um, I had a couple of friends who were the ones who kind of like helped me. So I was literally just watching um, like YouTube videos. I was watching like Drag Race and just trying to kind of like figure out, okay, like where are they getting all of this from? How mm. are they doing this? Again, I had no idea. I was that girl who was like in Google, drag. <laughs> what is drag? And whatever. How do I? Where do you buy drag? <laughs> and, yeah, and it just went the internet, darling. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, there's like just too many things. But um, I started meeting a couple more, I guess like, queer people mm. out amongst the scene every time I would go out with all my friends and stuff. And then they slowly started introducing me to um, just other queer performers. And I was, I guess my kind of like network of like trying to maneuver the drag scene. First of all, trying to scope out who like my competition is because I really Ooh. thought I was the one. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I was a cocky little bitch. <laughs> and I thought I was like, the. no one knew who I was. Yeah. I mean, I guess people still don't know who I am, but... <laughs> Um, I really thought I was like the one because I won like three or, yeah. three or four drag factories and I was like, I'm unbeatable. You, know? but you won your very first one, which is obviously based on like your incredible performance skill more than it was like your access to good or better drag, quote yeah. unquote, all of that crap. So hang on. We're spiralings into all of these beautiful places, which I love, but I'm like, I have seven questions and I've already gone over here. We're, we're in Bunbury. And that's like where you started your, your regional performances. Is there a reason that you like stepped away from keeping doing stuff like in Perth and in the city? Um, well, mostly because one of my uh, cousins, she's also a, like I work with her now, she runs our Big Mouth Productions. So mm. she was, um, I guess, kind of building her business back then as well. I want to, this was like, shit, like eight years ago, I think, eight or seven <laughs> years ago. Insert date here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At 19 BC, back in my day. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so she had slowly was like she was slowly building her like I guess Southwest like portfolio, mm. and so um she done a couple of regional gigs down there, but they just were not it. And when she found out that I started doing drag, she was like, "You need to come." And I was like, "I don't know how to do makeup. I don't know how to do this. I, I just know how to perform." And she's like, "It's fine. The other girls can help you out." And I was like, "Okay, sure." Yeah. So I had never met any of these other girls going down, um, and then 
we get to Bunbury, we, we check out our space, we like rehearse our number and it came time to do makeup. And again, throughout the entire day, they're like, no, no, we'll help you get ready. Like it's telephone. We can, like, we can do your face. Like I knew how to do like a, a really simple, like smoky eye. And they're like, mm-hmm. it's fine. We can do the rest. And I was like, perfect. So I had like my little toiletry bag of like makeup, <laughs> which I thought was makeup. Now I look at it and I'm like, Girl, no. No, it's like in Cole's makeup, not the same thing. Uh, I was like, no, but a concealer <laughs> and yep. a little square sponge. I'm like, no. <laughs> um, so we're getting ready. And I'm going to move as far up, but now things are just like unfolding. But go, go, go. Remember, we're getting ready. I had finished my eyes. So here I'm thinking that I'm like puss. Like I <laughs> I'm, I look at my eyes. I'm like, this is Wilmana down. And I've got all this glitter on my eyes. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is that? And I was like, craft glitter. And they're like, wait, what? I was like, yeah, just like eyelash glitter and put like glitter on it. Again, silence. I didn't say anything. And then it came time to do my like my base makeup. And they wouldn't let me look at my face until like we had finished. And so they're like going at it. And here I'm assuming that they're using my makeup, obviously my color. Mm. So I'm assuming that they're doing that. And like there's all this powder everywhere. And they're like, all right, girl, you're done. And I turn around and they had used their colors on me. Like your face. So my face was white from the neck up and my body was, and it was like midsummer as well. So like a brown girl like me, we tan up really yeah, well yeah, in yeah. summer. So it was like a floating head <laughs> on a brown body. I love that it stopped at the neckline too. Yeah, but like it wasn't even like all the way down the neck. It was like right at the Adam's apple. It good, stopped. Good. And Great. I was like, okay. Sure. And so I had this brilliant idea to get this uh, brown eyeshadow that I had and try and just kind of like color everything and like. <laughs> color correction before color like correction. At, at least give me some color back. Um, <laughs> look, I still got paid. I still portrayed that night. I looked horrible. but um, You had craft glue on your eyes. <laughs> I, I had craft glitter. Glitter, with, sorry. With eyelash glue. Of course. Okay? Get me right. Get me right. And I had about three turban changes that night as well. Oh. Um, yeah, look. It All was, of them with like a little white powder rim across them by yeah. the end of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of how it started, like uh, doing regional gigs. We started in Bunbury. Um, and then like, I think it was like a couple months later, we went to Geraldton. Mm. Also an experience. Yeah. Um, again, now it's fine when I go to regional places. Like last week I was in Esperance in Albany. Um, and I guess I kind of know what I'm doing now. Yeah, of course. Whereas obviously back then I, th- I still thought I knew what I was doing and mm. no one could tell, couldn't tell me that I wasn't puss, but. <laughs> Even with a white ghost face. I made it work. <laughs> I know, clearly. It was, clearly it, it, it was white girl face with, <laughs> um, brown cow contour. <laughs> it was not it. <laughs> and was it like a, a very, cause you said it was in summer too. So it's like a little scoochie number as well on top of all of that. Yeah. yeah of course. <laughs> The most body. Yeah. <laughs> and this white yeah. face. I love it. Just, it was so funny. I think there's like still videos floating around. Like I'm literally doing like a Nicki Minaj rap with a turban and a white girl face. Mm-hmm. And people are just confused. Yeah. But I was like, I'm confused too. <laughs> like, try being me. <laughs> <laughs> so is it in these moments that you're like, okay, I, I need to learn how to do makeup or did like people start teaching you how to do it in your own colors? Um, It was a bit of both. Yeah. Especially because I was white girl face, I sent mm. a photo straight to um, one of my really good girls, the one who really put me, I guess technically she's like my drag mom because she put me in my first face. Yeah. Um, but in I your sent, soft face? <laughs> in my woman dainty <laughs> face. I, I sent a photo to her and she was like, no. And I was like, well, it's on. And she's like, no. And so she was on who gave me the idea of doing the brown eyeshadow. Ah. Um, I guess she didn't think I was going to do what I ended up doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was kind of a mixture of my friends and then slowly again, just meeting more people yeah. and just asking questions. Like I, I love to talk and I love to ask questions, mm. especially when it comes to things that I, um, I love and I really enjoy. And that's kind of how it was. And then I guess like fast forward to, I hate to use drag race as a reference, but. It's okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's, um. Unfortunately, fortunately, it seems to be a reference for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just guess the representation of different types of drag that's on there kind of like helped me to, I guess, kind of figure out what kind of lane I wanted to go down. So, and they were honestly probably one of the only reality TV shows that had a lot of people of color, like front and center oh, from the get as well. Absolutely. For all of their negatives that they have. Yeah. But 
like not only seeing that, I guess, um, representation of color, but just the fact that the people of color that were on that show, they weren't like clowns or they weren't like, like they were soft women. They mm. were like, their features were yeah. really enhanced. And I was like, okay, like, I know I can't pull off this clown look, but maybe I can try this. Mm. Um, and then it just opened so many, I guess, other doors for me in trying to emulate faces. And now I guess I'm at a stage with my my drag and the way that I look, I'm really heavily inspired by um, a ballroom and the femme queens that are in ballroom. Um, just everything about femme queens. If I can emulate them in any or pay any sort of homage to them with my face and then get clocked for being a femme queen, I'm like, okay, my job is done. <laughs> Completely. Um, for people who don't know, can you tell us a little bit, obviously because you've got like great history knowledge of the ballroom scene, can you tell people a little bit about that and what femme queen means or meant and now means because I know the words evolved over time. Yes. So I guess the word femme queen in itself, um, again, thanks to RuPaul's Drag Race, <laughs> thanks to Drag Race, um, uh, drag race is kind of, I guess for lack of better words, like diminish the meaning of the actual word. Mm. So femme queen is the title that we give um, trans women. Femme queens in the ballroom scene, they're considered, they're royalty. They're the ones who started ballroom. Ballroom was started for trans women by trans women. Mm -hmm. um, it started as a survival for them to kind of be able to, if they could survive, I guess, in the ballroom world, they could survive in um, the real world. Yeah. And so anytime I kind of hear the word femme queen being just thrown around or thrown around um, just because, I'm like, no. Yeah. Like, no. That's why I wanted to take a moment and like like dig into that because it's so much of, as much as the ballroom scene can be seen by a lot of people who've seen a couple of episodes of Legendary and think they know what's up, <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, as like something that's like this uh, – fighting cutthroat competition. It's really a celebration and a highlighting oh, of like the amazing um, trans women of color who've like developed that scene. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, it's all about them. So yeah, I guess bringing like drag and ballroom kind of together is where I'm at at the moment. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Cause you um, are one of the founding members, obviously of the, of the real <laughs> Real ballroom scene here in Perth. Oh, I don't want to be that bitchy about it, but like that's the truth of it, really. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that's come to be? Yes, of course. So uh, last year, I want to say last year. Yeah, yeah time. Our, Time's irrelevant now. It's our two-year anniversary coming up. Yeah, so last year um, there were voguing workshops, voguing dance classes that were started up um, by um, two of our community members. Um, and... Like, it was great. I guess it was kind of like a them bringing their their dance knowledge and talent and kind of merging it with um, voguing specifically. Mm. Um, but there was still that aspect of ballroom culture and ballroom history that was missing. Um, and then I met Santana in a nightclub. <laughs> we were, one of my cousins um, met her, like, previously at a nightclub as well. And they're like, no, you need to meet... Well, they said you need to meet Toru, so Toru. Yeah. And they're like, okay, yeah, yes, come, 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 come to the club, come to the club. And so I had just finished a gig and I was in full slap as well. And mm. of all places we're at, we were at Booty. Don't okay. want to talk about it. <laughs> we won't. Keep going. <laughs> so that's where we were. And the first thing she said to me was Femme Queen. And I was like, no, bitch, but thank you. Mm. And that was literally how it all started. We met on a Saturday night. The next Wednesday I had brought her along to um, the Vogue workshops. And then I want to say maybe like four weeks after that, Vogue workshops turned into um, ballroom workshops. Ah, and okay. And then ballroom workshops turned into ballroom scene. Mm. And so um, Santana and I, we are, I mean, a lot of people, I guess, kind of like to clock me as being one of the founding members um, of the ballroom scene. I just like to think that I was at the right place at the right time. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I say that Santana is the one who brought ballroom culture here, mm -hmm. um, but I always give thanks to uh, Denise and Toots for actually starting um, VIP for starting Vogue in Perth. Yeah. So I guess they, if they didn't start that, they pr it probably would have been a more difficult platform for us to kind of um, try and manoeuvre. Yeah. Um, but where VIP started to where ballroom scene is now, they're in two completely different places. So there was dance styles and now we've actually got the history and the culture. Um, and... 
we've obviously just debuted our house as well in the last couple of months at the House Very of Rain. Exciting, yeah. Um, it's the first West Coast house, um, first West Coast ballroom house. Um, and yeah, we're just kind of really out here, just trying to really show ballroom culture for what it is as a culture and not some style of dance. And you can't see me quoting, but I'm quoting. You can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, some style of dance. Um, that you can just do, mm. there's a lot more, like, depth that goes into, um, you know, doing a couple of catwalks, duck walks, spins and dips. Mm. Um, it's more than just that. Completely, yeah. And so when people come to um, our kikis or any workshops that we hold, they're, firstly, they're all educated um, as much as we possibly, in the nicest way possible, be bothered to say because it's it's really not up to us to educate you. Completely. It's, it's 100% up to you to... Um, come with an open mind, um, come with an open heart and open head and uh, really just listen and pay attention. But it's also up to you to – it's what you do when, you, when you're out of the scene. Yeah. That research that you're constantly doing, that history that you're looking up on and that education that you're not only giving yourself but also everybody else. Yeah, and um, taking off of the people who you like. Otherwise, you'd be demanding them yeah. of that's not okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, and that's kind of where we're at with the scene at the moment. It's, it's thriving. <laughs> I will casually, say that. Casually thriving, yeah. I, like there's, there's just been a lot of work that has gone into yes. um, not only bringing up the ballroom scene and the entire community amongst it, um, but really kind of pushing our way through um, like the queer gay scene here in WA. Yeah, okay. Um, kind of going back a little bit, um, like last year, year before, during the whole BLM movement and then obviously COVID also hit at the same time, there was this, um, and again, I hate to reference Drag Race, but um, the spotlight that was kind of put on Scarlett Adams, mm. there was a huge kind of spotlight and shift that was put onto um, firstly any person of colour yeah. and then any person of colour that was in the, uh, the arts or the drag scene or the dance scene. There was this huge kind of like light that was put onto us, both good and bad. Mm. Um, I guess it was kind of split down the middle and half kind of chose a, no, I'm staying in, in the shadows. I'm not coming now. And then the other half was like, no, I'm, I'm taking this and I'm, I'm running with it. And I'm about to show everybody exactly why we deserve this spotlight. Yeah. Um, shit timing that the yeah. spotlight came <laughs> only because of this, but it, we were just like, no, this is, there's a, re like, I'm a very strong believer in everything happens for a reason. Mm. And so there was a reason why it came at that specific time. Um, and we all just kind of took, like, I took it amongst my own drag, um, as well as doing it with the ballroom scene. And because of that, we haven't stopped. Yeah, it really was. Um, I often refer to that moment as like a pressure cooker within our scene. Yeah. Um, just within queer arts in general, it really forced us to look inward and be like, what the fuck are we actually doing? And what yeah. do we want this scene to look like when yeah. the borders open again? Because we didn't have that influx of talent and artists and creativity from other spaces, we yeah. really had to be introspective within ourselves, mm -hmm. which was really important and it needed to happen. So I think you're very right in everything happening for a reason because yeah. if, if it didn't happen then, we'd be so far behind now. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, I still believe with, like with not only myself and my, and my drag journey and like the ballroom journey, I still believe that would be um, around. Mm. I just... I probably don't think would be as known as we are now. Yeah. Um, just with all of that happening, uh, everyone wanted to kind of book us. Like, <laughs> not, yes. <laughs> like, like they really wanted to book us. Mm. Um, not only myself as a drag artist, but also the ballroom scene um, and the house. Like, they wanted to book us for every single thing. Mm. Um, but I was quick to kind of realize that people or I guess events were wanting to book acts like us or acts like me to tick the box and not because they wanted yeah. um, me to actually be a part of it. And it was a really weird kind of thing to try and navigate through mm. to try and figure out, okay, like do these events, do these organizers actually have good intentions for bringing us on yeah. or do they not? And also trying to understand how do you figure that out? Yeah. <laughs> like like, like how, how do you figure, figure out if, uh, like an event really wants you for you, mm. really wants you because everybody is looking at you right now or really wants you because they want diversity amongst the cast. Totally. And 
one of the best examples, because I get asked this question quite a bit, and one of the best examples I've used is your show, is WA Expose, not only having, like, you didn't just have one person of colour in your lineup. You had multiple <laughs> people of colour in your lineup, but you had so many different um, representat- uh, representations of the queer community on there. And it's, like, you look at a cast like that, you look at an event like WA Expose, and no shade, but compared to everyone else, you've got a very diverse cast here, and then you've got one POC. Mm. Not even a headline, you've just got one POC doing a, yeah. you know, a little three-month spot. I, I want to see fabulous performers the, the end. And, like, to me, fabulous art is a huge is a yeah. spectrum. So, yeah, but I'd hate that. I hate that it's a thing that has to keep getting brought up because I wish it just was. Absolutely. Yeah, I wish it just was. But um, something that you were mentioning before about, like, doing those gigs and, like, trying to figure out how you go about, like, what are you supposed to do? Be like, hey, who's the CEO here? Do you – what do you want? Do you want me or do you just, like, want me now? Yeah. Like, what's up? <laughs> I well, don't have to do that. Yeah. I, I, I guess there was, a, there was a point where I was saying yes to so many, mm. so many gigs and so many opportunities that – it was like during those moments, that's when I was kind of like, wait a minute, like, why are you booking me? So it wasn't initially, like, not at the very beginning. That, mm. it's, that's not when I first saw it. It took me a, a, a bit to kind of be like, oh, wait, this is probably like my fourth gig in the last, like, two weeks, two yeah. or three weeks. But I've also been the only person of color in this cast. Oh, shit, yeah. Or I've been one of two in this cast. Um, and that was the thing that was kind of like, wait a minute. So... Anytime I, it, like now, even when it happens, anytime I ever am asked to do um, any sort of gig or any sort of performance, um, I'm always asking for, like, what is the event? Where is the event? Um, who is in the cast? Mm. Um, and I give my rates. I don't wait for them to um, say this is how much it's going to cost. I give them my rates straight away. And so yeah. I know if they really wanted me for, I know, which I guess to some people it could sound a little bit, um, I guess, like cocky or arrogant. But, like, to me, I'm... I, th- I think I've I've done an, not enough work, but I've done a lot of work to understand what I'm worth and know what mm. I'm worth. So the moment I kind of give my rates over and they're like, yep, done, no worries. I'm like, okay, I, I know exactly what your intention is behind this. Yeah. But then they're trying to bring a budget into it and then try and negotiate my rates. I'm like, no. Yeah, don't bother. I'm like, no. Like, if that's what you're going to do, bye. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm also lazy, so if you don't, <laughs> if you don't want me in this, that's totally fine. I get to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> if this takes more than three emails back and forth, I'm out. <laughs> oh, literally, it's either like two emails, and then the third email is like, "Yes, this is your rates. It's done." Or it's like a "Thank you for your time. Bye." Yeah, completely. <laughs> it's so I always find it so interesting when people go like, "Oh, is it is it cocky? Is it like up myself to be like presenting myself with my rates?" You wouldn't ask that of any other profession, and it's like something we really need to work on in Perth. It's that idea of being like, "No, nah, you're worth what you're worth," and we've had so many years of that being like degraded and pushed down and pushed down so that they can afford to pay somebody else more or afford to line their own pockets more. Where it's like you oh. wouldn't ask a mechanic that question, so like, don't ask me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's it's such a huge hierarchy that's mm. um, across the scene, um, and it's almost like I guess to a certain point, it's almost like unspoken of. Mm. And so everyone's like, "Oh wait, how much did you get for this show?" Ooh, and I was yeah. like, "Wait, are we not on the same thing?" And then you like think about it, and you're like, oh wait, no, that makes sense. This person has been doing this for this long. This person slept with this one. This person <laughs> is in love with that one. Yeah. This is this one's dealer. So of course they're gonna get more. <laughs> I don't know, those are all random shit, but like it's from the outside looking in, that's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And your audience who you're performing to, and every single person who goes out there and gives 110%, your audience doesn't know that you're getting paid on a great, like a gradient scale. <laughs> like they don't know that. Yeah, because they think that them buying their ticket to your show is like getting evenly distributed between you and all the other acts. Mm. But the gag is, <laughs> it ain't. Has. Never has been, never has been. We are diving straight into the local art scene in Perth and I really want to like get my sticky little fingers around that, but let's take a super quick ad break. Yes. And I need a drink of water. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. back we took a super quick break because i of course needed to jump straight back into talking to moisha um we were already uh fingers deep in some sticky pies <laughs> we were oh, fist first fist <laughs> into the perth arts scene and i kind of want to stay there because um yeah. local arts um very clearly really important to me um creating the scene that you want to be in yeah. um from the outside so where do you currently see the scene in perth that's a big question go wherever with that that's a lot <laughs> Where do I see the scene in Perth? I don't know. And I can only talk on experience um, and kind of what I've really been through and kind of seen. Um, But I would say in the last couple of years, there's been, um, I like to think, a really beautiful blend of the drag scene and the burlesque scene Mm. really kind of merging. Um, We've seen a lot of um, drag artists amongst um, like the burlesque world doing burlesque gigs. like mixed bill SWA, you know, mm. like I, my, myself and Serenity were on the judges panel. So like the world are definitely colliding and then vice versa. Um, so I think that's really beautiful and it's really good to see um, those two kind of scenes really merging. Um, mm. But I guess for myself as someone who has, or someone who works in both scenes, kind of hearing the same like background bullshit going on in both scenes is a little bit upsetting mm. and hearing the, the same thing of there's not enough diversity in uh, the drag scene. Equally, there's close to not enough diversity in the burlesque scene as well. And it's the the same girls in the drag scene and it's the same girls that are in um, the burlesque scene that are doing all the gigs. Um, yeah. But the biggest thing that I've heard, uh, that I've, I guess I've kind of noticed, is that it's not the ones that are in the scene that have the biggest issue. It's the ones that... Uh, have nothing to do with either scene (laughs) that have the biggest issue with it. And I I guess to a certain extent, like, I understand that because they're the ones paying for the show. They're the ones coming to watch the show. So, like, if they don't want to see the same people, then why are you going? Mm. Why are you, like, why are you going to that gig? Is it because it's at the club that you like to go to? Mm. Is it because it's at the venue that you like to go to? So are you supporting the venue or are you supporting um, the acts that are up there? Yeah. Um. And it, that, I know that didn't answer the question of where do I no, see this thing. No, but it had my brain buzzing because, like, as you were saying, like, from an audience perspective, as someone who is neither a burlesque dancer or a drag <laughs> queen but, like, fucking loves both of those worlds with all my heart, um, it's very much of, like, in a disgusting world where the only thing that seems to talk is where your dollars are, <sighs> should we just, like, stop going to those shows? So, like, is that the biggest way an audience member can, like, make their voice, non-voice heard? <laughs> Honestly, I think yes. Yeah. Like, I really do think yes. I've seen, like, now, for example, with our borders being open, we've obviously been able to have a lot more, uh, like, international and um, interstate acts and stuff kind of come to Perth. And to see the turnout at those events versus a local event, it's, like, I get it. You know, like, you want to go and support your... Uh, not support, that's the wrong word to use. You want to go and see mm. your favourite international drag artist. You want to yeah. go see your favourite international uh, burlesque artist, whatever artist it is, but you put so much emphasis around making sure you go and buy this $50 million yeah, meet and greet ticket. 300 bucks minimum, yeah. <laughs> but you're not going to pay the $20 door fee for the free 1 a.m. 1 show. yeah that they've put together for you at Connie's, for example. Yeah. Or you're not going to pay that $30 to 
ticket to go and see a a sugar blue showcase. Like, make that shit make sense. Yeah, your dollars are already talking. But yeah. then you're the one telling me, I need to see you up there more. Well, buy my bloody <laughs> ticket. Yeah, I'm in shows. Like, I'm, I'm literally booked till next year. Yeah. So you can't tell me that I've got no shows. Granted, half of them are probably not in Perth. Yeah. But if you love me that much, drive to Albany. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, just touching on that as well with regional gigs, that's exactly why we don't do a lot here. Mm. It's exactly why we take a lot of our... Um, again, I work with Big Mouth Productions and the, and the Privilege Group, and we take a lot of what we do away from Perth, mostly because there's, again, touching back on what I, touched, um, what I spoke about before, about a bit of a hierarchy and a bit of like a mm-hmm. territorial thing. We've been doing it for so long in these specific places, which is why we continue to go back to these yeah. um, specific uh, regional towns. And, you know, I, I would much rather just go and be celebrated in a regional town where they don't get anyone queer, period, mm. yet alone a queer person of colour being there as, I mean, I ain't going to say I'm the headliner because there's like <laughs> three of us, but like everyone knows that I am the headliner. <laughs> I'm right now, I love you girls, but also <laughs> I am the one. No, <laughs> <laughs> but like it's true, like it's exactly why we take all of our, our shows there. Um I don't know. I'd love to bring some of our, like, what we actually do on those shows here into the scene. But, a- again, it's a completely different audience. It's a completely different marketing type. So, yeah, I don't know. The way the the scene is going, um, I all I can say is that it's going. It is. It is there. <laughs> that is all I can say. Like, I can't, I, I don't know. Like, 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 I really don't. And I guess it's kind of sad that I don't have a direct answer. Um, to know exactly where it's headed. Yeah. Um, but again, I think with all these worlds kind of colliding, all these kind of scenes kind of merging at the moment, I I think that's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's really amazing. Again, seeing drag, seeing burlesque, how seeing the ballroom scene and even the dance scene, all of that really coming into play and seeing a lot more um, dancers be booked for gigs. Yeah. Like Things like that, you know, it never happens. Mm. So, I don't know. I, I mean, I always have faith in everything. Yeah, you got a hope, bit of sprinkle of hope. Like a very small sprinkle <laughs> at the moment, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like it's, it's kind of weird to say you don't see something going, although you're a part of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, like, I, I'm a, like, I have a very clear vision of where I want to go, mm. and I mean. There's so many obstacles for me to get there, but like I have a very clear vision of how I want to go, and I would love for, um, you know, I guess the scene that kind of took me in to also be on the same path. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, that's so important. Um, I remember doing my first tour out of university, mm. and we were like all around the Gascoigne region up north of Western Australia, um, and I didn't know how I was going to fit in as an opera singer surrounded by like all of these circus performers Mm. and stuff. And I was like, I don't think anyone here is going to get it, quote unquote. Um, Being completely naive of what audiences did or didn't want at the time, obviously. But I think that one of the most important things I heard from my mentor who was with me was like, we teach our audiences. We show them what they want to see. So it's a sticky situation when it's like you're trying to be involved in the Perth scene but it's so demanding of you because you have to show them what they want. Yeah. And it's like, well, how do you do that without having the platform to show them in the first place? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's very that. Yeah. It, it's, again, it, it's it's a really weird kind of situation. But I guess kind of like my drag, I, I also, I mean, it's not that I don't care, <laughs> but it's like I, I don't really care what you want. Yeah, this okay. is what I want. Yeah, if that makes sense. Mm. It's like, like I've, when I first started drag, like starting drag was all about what I thought they wanted to see mm. and what I thought they wanted me to be, and how I thought they wanted me to look. That's yeah. what the first couple of years of my drag was like, and it was a really difficult path of me trying to navigate. I was like, okay, am I an R and B girl? Am I a hip hop girl? Am I a mega mix girl? <laughs> or am I a top twenty girl? And then kind of seeing that that's what everybody was, I was like, oh. No. Okay, I need an artist. I need a specific artist. Okay, and I'm going to stay down that route. No, staying down that um, that route, there's other people who are like, mm, I can do this better. And I was like, okay, comparison, cool. I need something else. Mm. And then doing my culture, which is something that 
still to this day, I'm like, why the fuck did you not do this earlier? <laughs> yeah. Like, I've literally been doing it since I came out of the FUPA. Yeah. And I've only just started doing it again in the last couple of years for on the scene. But mm. showcasing my culture and performing my culture uh, on the scene, like like you said before, we're educating and we're teaching audiences. Not only am I educating and teaching audiences, I'm also educating and teaching the scene. Mm. Um, and really, I mean, I don't want to sound like Nelson Mandela or anything, but like <laughs> really trying to give like a little bit more hope out there, you know? Like, yes, fully, completely. Yeah. Um, and it's, like I say it all the time, every time everyone asks me, like my drag is a lot more than me and I've learned that. Mm. Um, I know that my drag, just me being, whether it's showcasing my culture or whether it's just me turning up, it, like me in the drag scene and my drag is so much more than just me getting my kicks off or <laughs> twirling on stage yeah. and getting my check. Like it is so much more There's. I think about it and I'm like, if if I had somebody like me that I could watch, if I had somebody like me that was kind of embodying what I was feeling, like that change is, mm. I don't know, like money can't buy that, yeah. you know? Yeah, completely. And as much as like you were talking before about it not being your job to teach people about the ballroom scene and like they need to come with an open mind and come already there, there's like that weird balance of being like, well – it's not my job, but if no one else is going to do it. Then who is going to do it? Then who's yeah. going to do it? Yeah. 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 Again. It's a, weird. A, another really complex thing to try and like navigate mm. through. It's, I'm always the first to say, it's not my fucking job to tell you what to do, but I'm going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> still here to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I'm still here to do it. Yeah. But it, it, it's very that. It's like, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's like just going to events and, you know, performing specifically my culture and then the comments that, you know, and the things that people are saying after me. Like, I still, after all these years, I find it so hard to take a compliment. Yeah. I, like, I, I find it so hard because on stage is, like, my comfort. Mm. So for someone, like, for my performance to, that I made up 10 minutes before I went on stage. Don't tell them that. For, <laughs> for someone to really feel something from that and for me to be like, I'm about three vodka rebels and I'm not quite <laughs> sure what you're talking about, but... It's it's like like it's those moments. I'm like okay, like I, I understand that it's it's so much more than just what I do. Mm. Yeah, <sighs> that's a lot. <laughs> it's beautiful and amazing. I'm just like, when we just end the whole show, <laughs> <laughs> throw everything in the <laughs> never. Um, well, you know what? I think that like now that we've gone through all of that incredibleness about like how Moesha is like so much bigger than you as a person, I think that this might be the perfect opportunity to go. Okay, now answer why drag. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> You're like, I know exactly where this is going. Try again. <laughs> um, why drag? Again, message. Mm. You know, um, I, I talk a lot about culture. It's like in and out of drag, I talk mm. a lot about culture and I talk about representation a lot. Um, so, like, I guess that's what it is. That's why drag. Yeah. Again, eight years ago, like, why drag? Because I think I'm better. Yeah. That's what the answer would probably would have been. Yeah. I guess to an extent it is still <laughs> part of the answer. No, I'm kidding. I love everybody. Love and light. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, that's why drag. It's about being seen. It's about um, speaking. Yeah. Um. It's about representing those who feel underrepresented in an underrepresented community. Mm. Like, how does that make, like, make that make sense? How yeah. does that work? Like, you're trying to tell me that we're both gay, but you're more superior than I am. <laughs> Hierarchies on hierarchy. I'm like, bitch, yeah. we both gonna get beaten up down the street, okay? <laughs> now yep. the difference is, can you fight? <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. You probably can't. But it's... <laughs> It's like actions speak louder than words, mm. you know. So I don't have to be the person who is constantly, you know, resharing a post, who is constantly going on a live, who is constantly calling people out. Like I don't need to be that person. Yes. Like I can be that person if I want to, you know, but silence is a lot more. And I feel like me just turning up 
and me just kind of like being on the stage mm. and representing like authentically me and not authentically anybody else. <laughs> I guess that wouldn't be authentic then if it's somebody else. <laughs> um, but like that to me speaks louder. Yeah. Than sharing a poster and not and I'm not saying do not share posts or anything, but yeah. um you know, do not repost things, do not, you know, don't like still do all of that. But when you're measuring my um like, like allyship or <laughs> or you're measuring um Which no one should be measuring your anything. <laughs> like I, like and I, I guess they shouldn't, but like it happens yeah. even amongst my own community. You know, like it, it's happening because because I didn't like your comment or because I didn't share your post. It's yeah. like, cool, yeah, I know I probably should, but like, if I'm not going to share a post about myself, when the hell makes you think I'm going to share a post about something else? Yeah, like, and that's not even me being like a dickhead either. But it's like, I'm I'm lazy. Like, I, like I really am. Like, I, I just <laughs> honestly can't be bothered. You're already putting a lot of emotional labor into the work that you do on a constant that probably could like put your fee up like tenfold. Uh, yeah. If you were to like price that out, it was like, yeah, okay, cool. Now I'm unaffordable to the universe because <laughs> of how much extra labor you put in beyond just like the creation of a costume and outfitted performance beyond all of that. Do you owe anybody else anything more behind the scenes? No. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think no. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think I anyone You should. should be allowed to go home at the end of the day and like be like, I'm done. And, and I think, I think that's, that's what people forget. Mm. Like, Drag artists and just artists in general. I think people also forget that we're also just people. Yeah. So, again, bit of a tangent, but people are shocked that when I'm not in drag, I'm the exact same person. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, okay. we're the same. <laughs> and it's because a lot of other people, I oh, a lot of other artists, I guess, they're like drag for them is um them just being who I guess they can't be sometimes. Mm. I'm like. That sounds so much sadder. It's really <laughs> upsetting. But, like, it's true. Like, I guess, like, some people... I mean, even Moesha, she can get away with a lot more than what Tordu can. Yes. <laughs> a, a lot more. <laughs> but essentially, like, they're exactly the same. Mm. So I... My humour and my, you know, like, my cutthroat wit is the exact same with that human hair wig on and with this frizz mop I call Tordu's hair. <laughs> like, they're exactly the same. Yeah. And... I think people forget that. Yeah. People forget that as artists that we want to switch off too sometimes. Like we want to, after the gig, I don't want to stay around and get absolutely trashed with you. Yeah. I want to take these lashes off and this makeup that has been on my face for the last 10 hours and my balls have pulled so far up my ass. Mm -hmm. I want to undo them. Yeah. <laughs> I want to actually, although I'm a soft anti-woman, I do want to manspread. Yeah. <laughs> you should be allowed to. <laughs> like, it shouldn't be questioned. <laughs> yeah. The idea that any artist who's working the way you're working owes anybody beyond the time that you spend in front of them. <laughs> it's like, yeah, sure, but pay me. <laughs> you, yeah. you want more? Come with the money. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, so you want me to hang around? Cool. That's about an hour and a half. All right, got it. So I want at least 16 drinks. <laughs> And then at least split the Uber with me. <laughs> That's base. I'm, I'm talking fees. I'm like, I'll be invoicing you later for like the time and energy that you want from me right now. <laughs> just the time and energy. You just went to everything else. Yeah. Yeah. This is an extended meet and greet and we'll charge you it's as such. Extended meet and greet. <laughs> That's what they want. That's it, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, no, it is. It's exactly what they want. They're like, oh, can we take a photo? How much money have you got? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Because I know some people who are charging $350 for them. So, like. <laughs> I mean, I've heard that a couple of like artists, I, I'm not entirely too sure if they're like local artists or if they're like international or national artists, mm. but some of them literally have like the little square mobile. Oh, that's so camp. Like, I want that. Pay pass thing on them. And so, if anyone, like, if they're out in full drag and they want a photo with them, they'll pull it out and charge them. And I'm like, I, I want to get on that level. I love that so much. I love that. Like, I want to get on that level. That's so good. I'm like, you know what? Just pay ID me, babes. You don't need to, mm -hmm. you don't need to pay pass it. Just pay ID. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take cash. I'll, I'll take money in the form of food <laughs> or a drink. No, not A. Drinks. Mm, plural. Thank you. <laughs> multiples, multiples. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, I think that, like, everything that you said today has, like, oh, filled me with, with so many awesome things because it's just, like, this 
power of the message of Moesha and her being like so much bigger than you, but also being the same person as you at the same yeah. time. It's all so incredible. And unfortunately we have to wrap it up and it's killing me to have to do that. <laughs> um, but where can people find you on the internet that you're not going to repost their stuff from? <laughs> <laughs> um, my Instagram is um, at the.moesha and attached to that is all of my social um Actually, no, that's a lie. It's only my other Instagram pages that are attached to that. <laughs> They'll all be in the show notes. And just, like, be fully aware you are not getting a message back. <laughs> Honestly? Like, I, I'm terrible at replying back. So, unless no, that's a good thing. Unless it's really important to me, which sounds really horrible. I will give I got you, a response. Just yeah, because this is important to me. Okay. <laughs> If it wasn't, I would have been like, sorry, I'm so sick. On that, no one message me and ask them to message my way show. <laughs> I won't. <Yeah. laughs> I'll lose my privileges so quickly. I'll invoice all of y'all. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> um, thank you so much for being on the podcast Thank you for having today. me. You've been an absolutely delightful guest. And we'll um, hear from whoever the hell likes next week. Me. Yeah, again, <laughs> part two. Part two, the remix. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. WA Expose is an independent production. Our artwork was created by Georgia Sassenfeld and our theme music is Corrosive by Aria Scarlett and M. Burrows. You can find out more about the podcast or live shows at ariascarlett.com forward slash WA Expose. Um. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's, it's. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Take your time. <laughs> like, where do I see it? Do I see it? No, <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.